Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here, as always, with Chris Whittingham. Now that you found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider, whether that's on Android or on Apple. That way you'll get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes as soon as they post. Make sure that you check out an episode that I think some people missed because we put it out right before Thanksgiving. We had Jay Fiedler and Randy McMichael on together, and they told stories about their time together with the Dolphins, um, whether you go back to Thanksgiving 2003 or what happened in 2002 where things kind of fell apart in Denver when the Dolphins had a real chance to do something significant and also some of the characters they played with, whether it was Ricky Williams or Zach Thomas or Jason Taylor or even the one they played for, Dave Wanstead. So make sure you check that out. Uh, get that anytime. Once we put up an episode, it never disappears. Also, check out the other 14 podcasts in our network of course, we've got three yards per carry. I'm, cur- I'm currently feuding with them, so we'll discuss that here a little bit on the pod. Miami Heat beat. Check them out as the Miami Heat tonight, actually, as we're speaking, uh, sunk down to 11th in the Eastern Conference. They're now only three and a half games ahead of last in the East and nine games behind first. So I feel like the direction is being chosen for them. We'll probably talk some Heat a little bit later in the week also check out our newest podcast it's the chamber podcast that's with former dolphin chris chambers also shay tab and zach duarte and that is a fitness performance lifestyle concept a little different than some of the other stuff we have in the network all right we've been doing these recaps after every dolphin game now today chris and i were not in the same place we weren't even in the same state um chris was doing the pregame and the halftime show for 560 wqm the dolphins uh broadcast i was in new york actually trying to find a sports bar that would actually carry the dolphins and (laughs) so i and and if you haven't and one of the things i I actually texted you guys on this you know new york city is not a great nfl sunday city um i mean i lived here for a period of time i was born here and you will find that the bars tend to be more packed for big hockey games or big baseball games, particularly if you get into the playoffs. I just I just uh, assume that people there that are out and about on a Sunday are not really interested in NFL football. That like I mean, it's just right. I, I think of New York City as a function of tourists, like actual like Manhattan, like as a function of tourists more than of you know, anybody who's into anything or has any kind of locality or interest in sports. Like it's just you're there to be a tourist. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And I went to the most touristy area. We happened to be around Times Square. And so I was trying to find a sports bar. So I found one that had the Sunday package um, and they had about 12 TVs on the first floor, about 12 TVs on the second floor. I got them to put the Dolphin game on one TV. Um, (laughs) So so I, I was I was watching that TV, um, even though obviously this is sort of a Jets town a little bit. It's more of a Giants town. But uh, I was able to watch the game there from start to finish. And so we're going to talk about a game that in, it pretty much finishes, in my view, finishes the Dolphins season. And, and the sad part about this, Chris, is that it was predictable. Um, and I'm, I'm saying that because even an idiot like myself could predict it. I, with about seven or eight minutes left, I tweeted, and when they, the Dolphins were up 10, okay, now we're going to see if the Dolphins can kill a game on the road, and they're going to have to run the ball to do that. And it just started to fall apart from there. And, and I feel like I've seen this game a thousand times and covered this game 
five hundred times over. Yeah, the and, years. and and okay. to me, and to me, that was so infuriating was that I, I saw a lot. Of, I think uh, Dolphins fans had a sinking feeling that once they went up twenty four fourteen and Vinatieri missed a field goal, that this was going to happen. And I don't know why I'm still the moron that is not, that like still feels blindsided by that and still wow, what a shock that that happened. And I'm sitting here on my couch feeling as if I was just running over by a train and somehow I'm I'm I don't have even though it's the only Dolphins football that I've known my entire life I'm still surprised by this I was still surprised by this result today I was floored by what happened why how could you possibly be surprised I don't know. by this? I, 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 was still I, I mean, Adam Vinatieri has been doing this to them. Okay. And, and again, he's not the most significant player in this disaster, but he's been doing this to them for two decades. I covered this game in New England. Okay. We could have talked about this game with Jay Fiedler. Okay. I covered this game in New England in 2002, last game of the regular season, where all the Dolphins had to do was finish that game and they make the playoffs. And instead, okay, instead, uh, they did everything wrong at the end of that game. Travis Miner, I believe, fumbled a, a kickoff. Uh, Alindo Mari kicked a kickoff out of bounds. Uh, Fiedler threw to Chambers, who's in our network now, three straight times. Norv called three straight throws. Terrell Buckley broke those throws up. Uh, I mean, th- this game has happened. I-, I remember that walk to the locker room and the Dolphins players looking stunned. Okay, It was one of the worst locker rooms I've ever covered just in terms of players being disappointed. It was frigid. They blew the playoffs, all the rest of that. But I'm not stunned anymore. I mean, I covered this 16 years ago, and it- it's happened 100 times since. Yep. And, I-, I mean, it happened in Minnesota that same year where Chris Carter, who they'd signed off the street, dropped a pass in the I end zone. I remember that game. Remember oh, that one? Oh, my okay. God. Oh. Right. Okay. And it happened this year in Cincinnati. And we're looking at these two games on the road before we start assessing blame here. And and basically the season was lost mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter against Cincinnati up there and the fourth quarter today in Indianapolis. That's where the season was lost. Right. Those especially because best. especially because those are the two teams that you don't have tiebreakers with now and that have you a game out of that final playoff spot when really that's the goal of the season is well not it's not the goal of the season. The goal of the season is to start building a Super Bowl contender because you're far away from that. At Come least on. see the building blocks of it. But right. but like make the playoffs, have a chance. And look, after 10 games, you still have a chance. After everything that's happened this season, it was not terrible. But when you lose with double-digit leads on the road to the two teams that you, you that you need to beat in order to get into the playoffs, it's devastating. It's absolutely... What happened today... If it happened to another and a normal NFL franchise that had not been kicked in the nads for 15 straight years, like it, that is the kind of loss that is utterly devastating and not, well, I have my guard up, so I saw this coming. I, I still don't have a guard to put up uh, with the Dolphins. I let my guard down and I get crushed every time. But that, that, like, that's precisely what makes it so devastating is that fans now expect this. Like that is a particular kind of trauma for fans to now expect this to happen and that it's wrecked your season, that if you just won those two games with double-digit leads, I, I think if the Dolphins merely in those games, instead of, as they did today, try and throw the ball, and as they did against Cincinnati, try and throw the ball, if they merely ran the ball three times and punted, just the two minutes off the clock might have been enough, and for in Ryan Tannehill's case, not gotten him hurt in the Cincinnati game, if they just ran the ball three times, gained three yards and punted, that might have been preferable to what they did today. Yeah, so Chris, I mean, but that's the thing. You know, as, as I look at, again, what happened today, mm-hmm. is that whoever the head coach has been, 
whoever the quarterback has been, although it's been kind of the same quarterback for the last six years, or at least most of them, uh, the result is the same. They just find different ways to do it. And, and, and you talk about not running off the clock and, and we look at those two losses, the Cincinnati loss and this loss, look, the Cincinnati loss can be directly pegged to the quarterback. Okay. And perhaps to an injury to the quarterback, right? So it may not have been his fault in that sense, but it was his fault in terms of what happened in that game. Right. So, yes. so, uh, but, but I, there, there was an extenuating circumstance there, which is he had a shoulder injury because the one thing we can say about Ryan Tannehill above all is he's a tough guy. That's the biggest positive. And he played through it and he played poorly and he lost them the game. And so I never put that game on Adam Gase, although I know everybody feels like I pile on Adam Gase. I didn't put mm-hmm. that one on Adam Gase because that was, I mean, what are you going to do if your quarterback is just, I mean, a complete disaster out there because he's hurt and he doesn't want to come out of the game. Um, so I'm not putting that one. This one's on him. Sorry. Agreed. It's agreed. It, 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 it's on him. And, you know, Ryan played well enough and Ryan's playing hurt. Like Ryan's playing in pain. Ryan probably shouldn't even be playing. Okay. When, when he took a hit in the first quarter of the game, you know, to the shoulder, I was like, Ooh, he going to come up from that. Right. Okay. He, like, I, there is one play, I think in the middle of the disaster sequence in the fourth quarter, might've been before that where he like Kenny Stills was open over the middle. He's got to fit the ball in a tight window. It felt like Ryan Tannehill tried to put everything he could into that throw. And it was just inaccurate and off. Like I think, healthy Ryan Tannehill at least hits Kenny Stills like that. It was just a bad throw. Like I, I, I'd have to go back and as they say in football parlance, look at the tape. But I, I think Ryan Tannehill was not himself today. No. And he's playing for a couple of reasons. One is it's what he likes to do. And it's mm-hmm. always been his nature to try to play. Um, and two, I mean, his future is at stake yes. um, and it's at stake here. And it's at stake in general in the NFL because, you know, is he going to get another opportunity to be a starting quarterback right away? I don't know. I think there are enough situations in the league, whether it's a Tampa or a Jacksonville or a Washington or others that may present themselves to him. Well, wa- not, Washington won't because dunk, wa- wa- Washington won't because Alex Smith is on like 74 million guaranteed dollars. Right. But yeah, the, but I, I, I agree. With you. I think there'll be enough. Um, I, I, you know what, though? Oakland might change quarterback, but like you look at the like I always look at the bottom five. Like, are the Giants going to really bring in Ryan Tannehill to settle their fan base as the Eli replacement? Uh, They're drafting a guy. Uh, I I agree with you on Jacksonville. They have to do something with Blake Bortles because that's just stupid. Uh, Tampa. Yeah, I, I I can see it. I think also you'd have to go to the draft there to try and replace Winston. I, I I don't see a great deal of situations. I agree with you. I think Ryan Tannehill is probably playing for his 2019 to start, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I think he would definitely get a job as a backup. No question. He's o- like well overqualified to be a backup. I just don't know if any team is going to sign Ryan Tannehill and feel like, well, this is our guy. This is our franchise guy that we're going forward with without that fan base from greeting it with an absolute meh, as the Dolphins fans now feel about him, that he's just an absolute meh. Well, I, I can see him being a bridge quarterback, right? Like, so, sure. I mean, you mentioned the Giants. Like, I could see a situation where, again, they draft a guy, and this mm-hmm. is not a great quarterback draft, but they're going to be high enough, especially after losing today, that they'll probably get a shot at one of the top two or three. And so then you bring in Tannehill to be your bridge guy mm-hmm. until that player is ready. And, and The Tyrod Taylor, the Sam Bradford that you know right. is going to get benched in three games. Right. He's perfectly capable of doing that. And he was, look, again, under the circumstances today, uh, he was he was fine. Okay. Now, there were a couple of tweets that I want to reference here, though, because – um, is it Sean Fahey? Is that how we pronounce Kean, it? Kean Fahey. Okay, that my totally so close. I I, I, to- <laughs> I, to- I, to- I totally totally butchered that. Um, but let, let's take a look at this. Okay, while by the way, while uh, uh, 
as, as I'm studying some of Josh Gordon's stats and wondering maybe the Dolphins should have done that. Okay, here we go. Um, where Tannehill threw the ball today, 21 yards, eight yards, minus six, minus two, six, five, four, 39 yards, minus five, zero, zero, 37, eight, zero, minus three, two, four, five, one, minus six, 13, zero. Mm-hmm. So he threw the ball beyond, what are we looking at here? He threw the ball beyond eight yards for three, three, four times. Yeah, four times. Four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13, 21, 37, and 39. Yeah, he, he said he was charting this game and that uh, the Dolphins threw seven screen passes today. So, okay, there are two issues there. One, was the quarterback really ready to play? Um, I mean, we heard about how he was ripping it in practice, right? He was ripping mm-hmm. it. Every, all, all the beat guys. He's <laughs> Leisure was making fun of the rest of them, right? Okay. I mean, he's he's ripping it sideways. Like what which way is he ripping it? I mean, he, he made he made four throws. I mean, 13 he, yards he, he made throws in a setting in which it's like ideal to make throws. Not being pressured. He's just standing around and throwing the ball. Like that's that's not NFL football. Like I, I almost I wanted to jokingly ask Kimbo Camper, but I feel like you don't really do anything jokingly with Kimbo Camper, at least on the radio. I wanted to ask him, hey, uh, did they run a drill in warm-ups in which uh three guys are after him and he's got to throw the ball forty five yards downfield? No, okay then we really don't know whether Ryan Tannehill is actually ready for this game because because I had to ask an obligatory, well, how did Tannehill look in warmups? And right, it was right. like, he looked fine, Chris. Thanks, Bo. Like, like there's, <laughs> like there's, you're not gleaning anything from that. It's not useful information. Hey, Bo got me a table at his restaurant last <laughs> almost the other day. <laughs> Listen, so, I love Bo. I, so, Bo is so the greatest. Let, 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 lay off Bo. But yeah, look, <laughs> uh, four, four throws, 13 yards or further today. All right, so here's the thing about that. Either... Tannehill was not capable because of his situation of throwing further than that. Or Adam Gase's play calling is, is basically back in the 20th century at this stage. And I, and, and I'm going to lean, there's a little of the first, but there's a lot of the latter, Chris. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and I just, I feel like, you know, I've gotten this reputation as being a Gase basher and maybe it's deserved, but I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I, I, I'm, you know, and a game like this, like, you have your team in position to win, okay? Credit for that. Find a way to finish the game. The decisions that were made at the end of that game are just and, – and you've talked about this, actually, and it's interesting because I think today is a pivot point. You've talked about the fact that Gase hasn't really made the kind of decisions you can point to, right? Like he doesn't done the stupid things. Like yes. the, things, the things that Philbin used to get criticized for, the things that, you know, may rest in peace, Tony Sperano used to get criticized for, the things that, you know, bless his heart, Dave Wanstead used to get criticized for, okay, or Cam Cameron. He hasn't done, like Cam deciding in the fourth preseason game, eh, it's my first year ever as a head coach of the NFL, but I don't need to coach the fourth game because just in case I get sick sometime. Right, and, 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 and Dom Capers, who's uh, been a head who coach in the league, coach. who's been a coach in the league for Malarkey, 10 years. Mike Malarkey, who has been a head coach in the league. <laughs> they need to get uh, some uh, experience as the head coach. <laughs> Right. I don't need to coach this game. Okay. So there hasn't been, I mean, God, dolphin history is so pathetic. It's amazing. Uh, So so, uh, look, uh, there hasn't been anything like that. There hasn't been like some of the, which is, which is almost the the benefit of being beaten by 21, 21 points. Every time you lose that you don't lose close games. He's only ever won close games, which we don't, which some people don't believe is an ability, but at the very least has sort of been his ability since he's come here is that, if you want to give credit to something for winning seven points or less games, sometimes it goes to the coach. And the Dolphins have won almost all of them since he's been here. Yes, right, and terrific. And they have a point differential of minus infinity. But right, it, that's but at terrific. least they won those close games. They won the close games. The ones that are close, they win. 
so there wasn't anything that you could point to. Correct. Okay, point to today. Okay. Yes, right. Yeah. Because, today. Today uh, was the Frank, first time frankly, that. Excuse my French. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. I, I just yeah. don't. Like yeah. I, I, I don't. And we're, we're going to get. Can we? Can we go play by play on how yeah. on how the that yeah. last series went? Because I, I, I kind of blacked out during it. And so I kind I kind of want to remember it because <laughs> Wait, you blacked out, you blacked out. Yeah. So okay. So uh, first, uh, so first down in ten at the Miami twenty-five. They take over with eight minutes and twenty-six left to play in the fourth quarter. They lead twenty-four to seventeen. Uh, first down in ten. Ryan Tannehill pass incomplete short right. I don't even remember. Oh, is it he roll? He roll? He was it like a rollout to the right, and he threw it away? If I remember correctly. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Which driver are you on? I was this, so this is in the fourth quarter. Yes. Uh, this is after the Colts kick a field goal to make it 24-17. Uh, the Dolphins have it at the 25-yard line. Uh, okay. Tannehill threw yeah. it short, incomplete short right. I think that was a throwaway after he ro- he rolled out to his right. Uh, again, okay. for me, the thing about play calling is I don't know what the actual play called for, but uh, mm-hmm. either way, it led to a throwaway. Second down and ten. Okay. Ryan Tannehill pass incomplete short over the middle to Kenny Stills. That's the one that I was talking about because Kenny Stills was open on a crossing pattern and Tannehill did not have the arm to get it to get it there. And then uh, third down and 10. And this for me, can we, I, I could do a whole podcast on this. When in the hell did third down and 10 become a running down? Because not only <laughs> like, I'm not kidding you that right. That, that the predictable play calling on third down and 10 might've gotten Kenyon Drake hurt. Because they hand the ball off, and the Colts knew it was com- coming so much, they sent a linebacker mm-hmm. blitz into exactly the place where they've handed the ball off the previous 37 third down and tens, and Kenny Drake gets absolutely lit the hell up, and and he could I I, I don't know if he's hurt I don't know if I, I haven't checked the I didn't check the Dolphins beat writers after the game because I was otherwise uh, committed after the game, but Kenny Drake gets absolutely hammered. They punt the ball on fourth down. Uh, then, after the Colts uh, predictably go and score on a seven-play, 89-yard drive, the defense not without blame today. Uh, then, the Dolphins take over, first and 10 at their own six-yard line, uh, after a penalty uh, creates uh, one of those short kickoffs, which uh, the NFL kickers have gotten really good at, uh, which is like, hey, we got the roughing the, pad, the, you know, the roughing penalty after we're kicking off in the 50. Let's keep the ball in place so we can create the short, the, the short return. A predictable penalty as well, so they have the ball at the six. They hand off to Frank Gore up the middle for no gain. Devontae Parker throws uh, – Tannehill throws a screen to Devontae Parker on the right-hand side. They run the ball up the middle on third down punt, and they don't touch the ball again. And those are the six plays that they ran. So mm-hmm. I, I thought they threw the ball more than they did, although, I mean, that first drive where you throw the ball on first and second, first and second down is just not great. But – Look, and, and this is my thing. I, I don't like talking about play calling because I don't know what plays call for. I'd have to watch all 22 tape to really be able to diagnose the plays and figure out whether or not they're bad. But here's the end outcome. They ran six plays. They lost a yard. That's, that, that's a complete, unmitigated disaster. And on top of that, as you said, they're on the road. They have to kill off a game. They, th- those six plays in total ran off a total minute and second total of two minutes and 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Two minutes and thirty seconds when you're trying to kill off the game, and the Colts don't even have to take timeouts. You're 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 allowing them to end the game with timeouts, which they did uh, after they exhausted all the Dolphins' timeouts. Like they don't even have to really struggle in that fourth quarter and think, "Oh man, I don't know if we're gonna have a chance to get the ball back." Like that is a, that is an indictment of everything offensively: the the players, the play calling, the coaching. Everything. Six plays, one yard, a negative one yard, two minutes and 30 seconds. That is a complete and unmitigated disaster. And for me, I, look, I, I know 
fans want blood after the game and, and they, they want someone to scream, I screwed up, I'm sorry about that. And, and generally, NFL personalities are not going to allow for that because they have too much pride and frankly don't want to be blamed. But when Adam Gase gets asked by Dave Hyde about the third down and 10 play, do you regret running the ball? He goes, no, I regret that we didn't block. And it's like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I want to defend Adam Gase. I want to, I want this, I want this to work. But good God, man, can you just say, yeah, we lost a yard in six plays in our last two drives. I screwed up pretty big there, didn't I? Like, what is the harm in acknowledging that he, instead he does, of blaming your backup offensive lineman? He doesn't do that Good very Lord. often. Lord. We'll get back to the episode here in a second, but first I want to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is AutoNation. Are you thinking of selling your car? AutoNation's expert appraisers will give you top dollar any check the very same Day. The offer is guaranteed for seven days or 500 miles at any of AutoNation's locations, and they'll buy your car even if you don't buy one from them. AutoNation is proud to support the efforts of local organizations and treatment facilities in the fight against breast cancer. Since starting the Drive Pink campaign, AutoNation has raised and donated over $15 million to fund life-saving cancer research. Show your support in the fight against breast cancer by using the Drive Pink hashtag and showing off your pink AutoNation license plate frame. Visit AutoNation.com to find the nearest location. And it's interesting you mentioned, because I didn't know who asked him the question. I'm not surprised it was Hyde. Uh, and, and this is kind of a larger debate that we're having here, but it, I, I feel like a little bit it's kind of what happened here, and, and this is how I've sort of gotten a reputation as being very negative on, on Gase, is what's happened here is I feel like some of the writers like him. They just like him. And mm-hmm. and I can always tell when that's the case because coaches get benefit of the doubt when that happens. And, and that's happened with Eric Spolster a lot with the Heat. But Eric's won two championships now and was part of another one as an assistant. So it's kind of like, you know, some of that is justified. But with Gase, I, I do feel like some of these questions have just not getting asked. How is it possible? How is it possible that what finally ended today, this streak of not scoring on the first drive in 13 straight games, was not a bigger issue in the mainstream press down here? Like, I, I say down here. I'm in New York right now. But in, in Miami, <laughs> how, how, how is it possible that there was not a story about that in every publication every week? Because uh, to me, like, that's it's unfathomable that that was happening. And it's like I was beating a drum on it because nobody else was. And, you know, again, you have Hyde asking a, a tough question there. I don't know if the other tough questions are getting asked, frankly. Um I feel like there's been this sort of excuse making for the circumstances that he's been dealt, some of which, again, are beyond his control and some of the which are within his control. It's not beyond, it's not within his control that, you know, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant didn't mm-hmm. play today. That's not his fault or that Josh Sitton and Daniel Kilgore, who, by the way, didn't look great the first couple of games anyway. But like well, that they, did. they got Kilgore, Kilgore didn't. Yeah, Kilgore didn't. Right. But I mean that was and, and by the way and, and control, the, you, you you talk about the excuse making in the media but uh, the the Herald wrote a good piece about so uh, like it, it, I think the thesis of it began was well how bad is like the sports science and, and the injury prevention and then it kind of became well how bad are the Dolphins injuries really and I think mm-hmm. the the piece wrote that there were. 14 teams with either the same or more players on injured reserve and yeah, that their yeah. their total games that. missed is roughly commensurate with the rest of the league. It's not a particularly special amount of injuries. It's just they're our, they're our injuries, so we notice them more. Well, and they've also come to um, 
more important players than some of it. Cause I did some of the research on it too. And it's come to more important players. Like the chiefs have a bunch of guys out, the Patriots, have a bunch of guys out, but they were not like of mm-hmm. the, they weren't the type of players that were deemed as necessary as some of the players that the dolphins have lost. So I get that, but case is responsible for a lot of the other stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. He is. And he's responsible for, you know, Brock Osweiler being the backup quarterback this year to a large degree. I know fans are like, well, he didn't want him. I, what, He's the quarterback whisperer. He's yes. here for the quarterbacks. If he didn't want a quarterback, they wouldn't have the quarterback. If you don't okay, think the I, front office is calling Adam Gates to be like, hey, who do you want as your backup quarterback? Like, come on, he's getting input I, on that. I, I, right. So, so look, uh, that, that, so some of this stuff you know, was his fault, okay? And some of the usage of the players is his fault. And I'm going to go through it again here a little bit. Um, one thing I, I don't want to gloss over too much, too, because we are talking about the offense and the disaster of six plays and how this was so obvious to see coming. That drive, that touchdown drive, I mean, Matt Burke was, I mean, was he playing the D'Onofrio defense? Like, what, what was that? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I, and, and it was, to- again, I'm not a football savant, okay? I've been around, about, around a lot of football players over the years. I've watched tapes, tape with guys, but I'm not our guys at three yards per carry. I don't break down every play, okay? But I identified it, okay? The, like, the very first play, I'm like, why the fuck are they 12 yards back? Like, well, what, what's going on here? Like what they basically totally decided, they've decided we're not even going to attempt to get any pressure on luck. I'm not saying throw a blitz. I'm just saying, like, I will say, within- I will say in their defense, there were times that that strategy worked earlier in the game. Like I, I was, I was listening to the radio guys and they were noting, wow, they're only blitzing three there. Like that's a bit of a surprise, but eight, eight man, eight, eight men zone kind of limited, you know, Andrew luck to throwing the ball in the flat a lot and not getting T Y Hilton downfield. But then, I guess they were able to find the spaces in the second. I mean, they're always going to. Like, Indianapolis is a well-coached offense and an offense that's working at the very highest level right now, getting to 27 again, three more touchdowns for Andrew Luck. I think that's eight straight games for him with three touchdowns and completed basically 75 80% of his passes for uh, a fifth straight week during this win streak that they've had. Like, they're always going to find the holes in that secondary. Okay, but uh, again, we, we I feel like we do this every week. We're like, well, they're really well-coached. Okay, um, wait, hold on. The Dolphins guys get paid, too. Like mm-hmm. I, and, yeah. and that, I, I keep, I keep coming back to that. We, you know, we, Frank Reich is a first year coach. Like Frank Reich was their 12th choice. Like I, he's, <laughs> they literally announced another coach instead of the coach that they currently have. And yet he's done a brilliant job and is getting a lot of credit and deserves it. Whereas the coach that came with all the hype for the dolphins has, has gotten some credit, but perhaps overinflated credit based off of what's what, what the other indicator is there. Right. So, I, I mean, they're well coached. Yes. And they have it. They have a better quarterback, obviously. Okay. But I mean, the rest of their personnel is not elite. Okay. Marlon Mack was a fourth round pick last mm-hmm. year. Okay. I mean, Kenyon Drake is a higher draft pick than Marlon Mack was. Right. Mm-hmm. So like so, their offensive Mack, line is getting there though. That, that offensive line is damn good. It is. It was horrible for years. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was the big issue. It was terrible for years. Okay. Eric Abron, Ebron, again, scrap heap. Like I know he's got 10 touchdowns, but like he didn't have 10 touchdowns with Detroit. They couldn't wait to get rid of him. He was supposed to be traded at the deadline last year. They don't have a second receiver of any note. Okay. T Y Hilton's their number one. He had a big day today, 125 yards, but they don't have an, it's not like Reggie Wayne is still there. So I I feel like we're just doing this thing in circles where it's like, Oh, well, the other guys are really good at this. I mean, like the Cincinnati game. Like I remember, you know, our three yards per carry guys gushing over Cincinnati's roster. They're five and six right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're coached by Marvin Lewis. Who's been there 10 years too long. 
they're like, basically entire their 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 team identity is AJ Green, and when he's not healthy, they're deeply the, below the, average. Correct. Okay, so this I I just gonna keep coming back to this. I mean, are we are we basically just transferring the excuses that were made for Tannehill all these years? To Gase and to say that, and I always make this distinction too. And when we talk about coaches in any sport, just, just we're not saying a coach is not good at what he does, okay, or at preparation or any of those things, but he's being compared against the other coaches in this inc- incredibly elite club. Like, uh, yes, if Adam Gase was coaching over at, uh, you know, Chaminade, okay, or, you know, or, or, or even, you know, American Heritage or any of the other. Oh my God, he's a wizard. Yeah, he's a wizard. But he's not coaching against the other coaches that those guys coach against. He's coaching against other coaches in the NFL. And he's getting his ass handed to him a lot. Okay. And and that's that's where I come down. It's not it's not was Dave Wanstead a good coach or Tony Sperano mm-hmm. a good coach. Obviously, you get to that level, you rise up through the ranks. I mean, Dave Wanstead was an elite defensive coordinator under Jimmy Johnson. He had some pretty good players, but he was an elite defensive coordinator. Okay, he was he was a really good defensive coordinator at University of Miami. But when he became a head coach, was he a better head coach than Bill Belichick? Was he a better head coach than some of the other head Andy Reid or some of the other coaches? No. Okay. And and that's what I'm getting to. And my thing on the coach and the quarterback in the NFL is this. Those are the two most important positions in the sport. If you don't have the right guy, you keep searching until you find them. I think you and I and others have come to the conclusion that Tannehill is not the right guy. Played well today. Tough as hell. Deserves enormous credit for that, but not the right guy. Okay. Long term mm-hmm. at this stage. And I think I'm just coming to the conclusion on Adam Gase earlier than others are, because I, I feel like others are going to come around to the same perspective because he's coming back not firing him. He's coming back. OK. And I feel like somewhere around week seven or week eight next year, because it's already starting to turn. People are going to be like, "Ooh, OK, wait a second. OK, this isn't getting better. And, and that that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's not that I'm trying to like, you know, set a vanguard here or anything like that for this. It's just I just haven't seen anything. Other than him getting a team to 10 and six that had a negative point differential. Okay. I haven't seen anything that makes me believe this is the guy. And today was really the first time I think that a lot of people, and I see this on the timeline, were starting to see the same thing. Mm -hmm. Because this, what happened today is on him. It's on him. Because look, you can say it's on Matt Burke for what happened in that disastrous drive, but ultimately, Gase is Burke's superior at this stage. Okay. And, and you know, Gase they created. At, I, mean, you know, I, th- I think they did enough to win the game. They created three turnovers. They got stops at important times when the Dolphins' offense was playing like crap for a quarter and a half. So was the Colts. Like, like the 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 the, the Colts didn't do anything for the same amount of time that the Dolphins. So for me, I I just I think the defense did enough to win today. You're not like it's. As much as we're talking, again, you're making excuses for them, but like it's hard to slow down the Colts' offense. And when you give them a chance because you're unable to do anything in the fourth quarter of a game, that's what it's going to look like. When you give Andrew Luck chances, he's damn good at football. When he, like, he hasn't been healthy for two years. When he's been healthy, he is excellent. That is what's going to happen. Like You basically, with your offense, need to not give them the ball, or you need to score so that if they're accruing all these yards and scoring points, that they're doing it in in a meaningless situation because you're up by 10 points. The Dolphins needed to either have a six-minute drive in that fourth quarter or kick a field goal, and and you win the game. And that's that's all it required, and they couldn't even manage that. And that, when when we're talking about indictments of the coach, like, I, I do think that 
that's what we're talking about, is that they couldn't manage the thing when they needed it the most, and that is the ultimate indictment of everyone involved. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. The coaches, the players, and everything involved in the infrastructure of the Dolphins is when you needed it, a drive, a something, a stop. If it would have been a stop, obviously, that would have been great too, but that didn't come either. But I guess my question would be, at 8 minutes and 26 seconds left to play in the fourth quarter, when you're leading by a touchdown in Indianapolis, what would we have said about this performance? Because I, I do like to do that just in terms of not not to unnecessarily be positive for the sake of balance, but because the game went to hell in that moment. But there were good things that happened before that. What what would you have made of that performance? I, I, had, the I Dolphins, have... had, had the game stayed 24-17, the Dolphins, you know, maybe drive three minutes and punt, they get a stop, and then they, they kill the clock. Whatever. If they if the game had ended at eight minutes and twenty six seconds left, what did you make of that performance? Well, I, I would I think the first thing we would have done was praised Ryan Tannehill for playing, mm-hmm. um, and and for for doing the most he could with what he had available to himself physically. Um, so I think there would have been praise there. I, I think there would have been some praise for Gase for for some of the the play calling and all the rest of that. I thought there were some smart things that were done early in the game, particularly to get Dr- Kenyon Drake the mm-hmm. ball, okay, which is something that I've made a big issue of. Okay, he had six targets in the passing game today. Uh, Kenny Stills was second with four. Um, the disappearance of Kenny Stills, by the way, Mont- it deserves an entire separate pod. Yeah, okay, catch for six yards uh, on four targets today. Yeah, not nothing at all. Um, and 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 I was getting from people, oh, it's it's because Osweiler was playing. Okay, well, I mean, Tannehill was playing today. Now I'm going to get well. Tannehill can't throw very far. Like that's going to be the next mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, but but he had four targets today and and one catch for. We'd six probably yards. be talking about how Xavier Howard's a star. Xavier Howard is a star, but I think that's the one. Okay, so what have been the good things of this season? Is mm-hmm. Xavier Howard has been established as a star. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, I thought, was good and bad today. Uh, Raquan McMillan needs work, man. Like, needs work. Okay. Had, On the opposite seven, end, though, I think Kiko Alonso has been playing fantastically. I thought he, he was good today. He, he, he has had another tackle for loss today. I mean, McMillan had, had seven tackles. I don't remember a lot of them, but he had <laughs> he. He, he, he had seven tackles. You know, TJ McDonald's made some plays this year, too, and he had 11 tackles. I mean, you never want your safeties getting that many tackles in the game. But, look, there, there, were, there have been some positive things on the defense that maybe we haven't focused on enough. Um, Rashad Jones had a big pass breakup. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, again, you look at the sack totals. I mean, I, this offensive line, was, as you said, was going to be difficult to get through. They had one. Mm-hmm. With Cameron Wake, they had another that was waved off because of a penalty. Um, but, the, I mean, they've been Charles Harris had a few more almost sacks. 
He's great. He, he, lo- he loves them. an almost sack. He, he gets a lot of almost sacks. Um, and and then you know you take a look at it offensively. Um, you know, look, I mean the Devontae Parker experience at this stage. I mean, you, 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 I I don't want to say you take out the the Thursday night game, but I mean, beyond that, there's just been nothing. I mean, three, I think, three you can. I think it was an aberration. Like, I think yeah. it, it's, it's his ultimate display of, well, I've got this in me, but you're going to get it once every nine weeks. Like, it, right. and that's the mark of a bad football player. Like at a certain point you stop being potential and, and you, you stop being an athlete and you stop being measurables and you start being a football player. And for me, I think the dolphins have, I don't like writing off rookies cause I think they have a chance to improve and get better, but they might have two in Parker and Gasicki because Gasicki is another one who's a little bit of as they as they say one in Spanish target. as they say in Spanish a grande por gusto which is he's big and he's athletic but for what like I, he he got he had a catch today and he got hit with a helmet on the ball and he fumbled and that was it like that was all he provided today and he might just be a big great athlete who would be a great beach volleyball player and maybe should take that up to win an Olympic gold medal but might not be a great football player and like the the Dolphins might have a few of those. Well, I, and Durham Smith, I've always pronounced his name incorrectly, but Smith, by the way, I know, I knew I would do that. That's, <laughs> I always go the other direction. <laughs> right. Uh, two, two, two targets today, uh, and Gasicki had one. So yeah. I, I, you know, we're we're just at the stage now where the expectation level for Gasicki, the expectation level for Parker, and and frankly, unfortunately, the expectation level for Stills, and, and I can't figure that one out. I mean, is he? Is he hurt still? Is there, I mean, is because he had, you know, something that was lingering for a while. Is that still an issue? Is it just an issue of the quarterbacks can't get the ball to him? I mean, I don't want to overlook the fact that Carew, you know, made the biggest play of his offensive career. He's made some mm-hmm. plays on special teams, but, uh, you know, with the 74 yard catch, but uh, they're just getting nothing from Stills. And so I think, I think with Stills, it's always been a case of he either is getting deep targets or he's not. He's the best deep ball. He's, I don't want to say the best because, you know, there, there are other – I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster at a 97-yarder today. He's really good at it too. But Kenny Stills is a deep ball receiver, and he is among tops in the NFL the last three years in catches for touchdowns on balls thrown 20 or more yards in the air, like in the entire league. And yet we feel like that those contributions happen in like very distant increments that they don't feel like they're that prescient. But he lives as a deep ball target. And if he's not getting deep ball targets, then he's gonna have a catch for six yards on four targets. Like, and- but he was also he was also great from the slot last year. I mean, the guys in three yards per carry talked about that, and that's been completely under. You know, you bring in Amendola, and it's like, okay, we're just shutting that off. Like it, it, that that hasn't materialized at all for him this year. I mean, you look at his targets. I mean, we can say he's just been a deep ball receiver, but like coming into this game, his targets last year six point seven per game. This year, 3.7, and today, 3, or 4, I'm sorry. So, I mean, it actually went, it ticked up a little bit to 3.8, I guess, overall at this stage. So, like, I mean, he's getting about half the targets that he got last year. Has he gotten worse? Like, I, I don't believe he's gotten worse. Like, so it's it's just the fact that Moore and Cutler, like, chuck the ball downfield. Like, that's the reason for it. Because, look, Kenny Stills was supposed to emerge this year, and Albert Wilson was starting to do it a little bit, but like he was supposed to emerge into a legitimate, not a one A type receiver, but like oh, you know, a one B slash two, like the type of guy, you know, that that most teams would want to have as one of their top two receivers. And he's just been a total non-factor this year. Like, I mean, his numbers mm-hmm. are especially much for what the they're paying him. By the way, they're paying him a lot of money to not do anything. So who's whose fault is that? Like, I, I'm just gonna keep coming back to this. Like, we we talk again, okay? They didn't score 26 again today. They got to 24, all right? Um, 
I think the Chiefs are at what is it now? I know people hate when I cite the Chiefs. Is, I think it's 16 <laughs> straight games, 16 straight games with 26 points. They well, I mean, hell, they scored twice 26 points in their last game, right against the Rams. Okay, <laughs> no, they so, scored a little, a little less than twice. They only got to 50. Okay, a little, one point less. Yes. Okay, so they scored. They they scored 51. So they've scored. They Gase's teams have scored 15. Has scored 26 points 15 times the whole time he's been here. The Chiefs have done it 16 straight. So and and you're not getting production out of Stills. You basically Parker's been completely written off. Maybe that's on Parker more than Gase. But I mean, he, Parker came here before Gase, but that hasn't worked out. You drafted Gasicki in the second round because you needed a dynamic player player at the tight end position. Your other tight end got hurt, is out for the season, the one that you planned on playing with him in Marquise Gray. And you don't use the guy you have. Like you said, maybe he's not very good. I don't know. But, like, they thought he was pretty good. They drafted him in the second round. Like, it's not like they drafted him in the fifth round. They drafted him in the second round. And and he's been a total non-factor. So I, I just keep coming back to the same thing. When does this stuff come back to Adam Gase? And I feel like today mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a tipping point. And I don't take – Chris, I don't take any glee in that. The first drive thing I was taking a little – <laughs> yeah, that that died for you today. I felt I that, felt that, bad for you. That died because I, I kind of made that my corner. But like, but as far as 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 them not being successful, this is not good for us. Like, I, I don't want them to not be successful. I mean, the Heat are a train wreck right now. The Hurricanes just had a totally meaningless seven and five season. Where are they going? Like the the Cadillac Bowl, the 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 Meineke Bowl, <laughs> the I, I I don't know. The, <laughs> I mean, what what bowl are they going to? Like. I, that's not uh, the know, best case I, scenario I is they're playing on New Year's Eve against J- in Jacksonville. That's the best case scenario. Right. That's not good. OK, so <laughs> I and, and the Panthers, my God, like Luongo's hurt now like that. I mean, that's is I he mean, again. Really? Oh, my. Well, God. we were supposed to do a podcast with him this week, so I'm sure I'm sure he's probably going to be out a while. So <laughs> so so like, I mean, and the, and look, and, and I've got Marlins fans arguing with me on Twitter that we're not positive enough on them. I've been more positive about the Marlins than about anything else. Like, I, I mean, at least there seems to be a direction there with everything else. There's no At direction. Least tanking is a direction. That, right. That's, that, that's the best uh, feature of tanking, by the way, for 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 or potential front office executives that are thinking about tanking. At least you can sell it to your fans as a direction, even if it's right. a direction that's based off of losing. We'll get back to today's edition of the Five Reasons Podcast in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors here in the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Brunt Insurance. All your protection under one roof. Brunt Insurance offers home, auto, commercial, and life insurance. Licensed to write insurance for the entire state of Florida, from Pensacola all the way down to the Keys. Multiple carriers for all product lines to ensure you pay the lowest rate in your area. Proud sponsor as well of the Homes for Heroes program, which offers special discounts for first responders, teachers, military, and healthcare professionals. Call Greg at 954-589-2204 to reach Brunt Insurance or go to bruntinsurance.com. The other teams down here have no direction and no direction. And so I guess to finish here, I don't know that we want to dwell on this that much more as far as what happened today. Um, I guess to close, you know, my feeling on this is, is here. Uh, you know, the Dolphins pretty much need to run the table to make the playoffs now because of the tiebreakers. Like, they, they're going to have to get to 10 wins. Like, I, it, nine is not going to be enough. The Ravens, uh, you know, I mean, look, they won twice with a rookie quarterback, okay? Who is, by the way, available to the Dolphins? I'm, You know, yeah, we can argue about true. whether they should have picked him or not, but they've Every, won Everyone twice. talked about Rosen, how Rosen was available to go trade up. You could have just taken Lamar Jackson or even trade it down and got Lamar Jackson. You could have, right. And I don't, the Minka pick's a great pick, but you also picked a player at the same position as your best defensive player, and it's hard to get them both on the field at the mm-hmm. same time all the time. And so at least without moving one of them, 
which has been Minka, out of position. So you could have drafted this guy who's now ahead of you in the playoff picture in the AFC. And I'm sorry, that Baltimore roster, like people like look back at it like it's the roster that beat Kaepernick. It's not the same roster, man. Like they, I mean, I, they've turned that thing over, Ozzy, that they've turned it over a million times. It's not an elite talent roster, okay, at this stage. And they have a better record than the Dolphins. Um, you know, we've got a Monday night game that we're going to see how that plays out, okay, with, with Tennessee and Houston yep. involved. So maybe Tennessee slips back. The Dolphins have a tiebreaker over them. But the Dolphins don't have a tiebreaker over Cincy. They're a game back. And by the way, Denver won today. Impressive win against Pittsburgh. They looked better. I watched some of that game while I was watching the Dolphin game. And and they have a pretty soft schedule. Like that Denver team could get to nine and seven. So I, I don't there to me, the only path for the Dolphins is to sweep this thing. That's not gonna happen. Okay. Even the Bills have looked a little better of late, yeah. albeit they played the Jaguars, a team the Dolphins still play. So those the, two games Jets, are not yeah. gimmies. And the Jets, right. And so those two games are not gimmies. Okay. The two games against the Bills. So and, and you still got to play the Patriots. All right. Even if it's at home, you still got to pay the Patriots. So uh, none of this is setting up for a five and zero finish. And if it doesn't, and if they're seven and nine or eight and eight, a lot of Dolphin fans are just going to cling to the injuries and to the excuses. And what I'm going to say to that the expectations, is, by the way, and to the expectations, and enough of that. Okay, enough of that. Like, I, who sets the expectations? Us, Vegas, whatever. I mean, the idea that you beat an expectation, like we don't know anything at the beginning of the year. Other people don't know anything. Okay, you're being judged on the result, not the expectation. And if they end up with seven wins, which looks like no, the okay, no, no. But hang on, hang on a second. But yes. You, so, so you thought that before the season, like, so we we said on what, what did we say on the pod six and ten or seven? No, I went oh, I went over six and a half. Okay. I, I put money on it, so yes, I went over six. Okay. Yes. So, so you're you're actually kind of rooting for the Dolphins to beat the Bills twice. I'm not rooting against the Dolphins <laughs> in any way, Chris, <laughs> except for that first drive. Thing. Yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Now, now it's over though. So, so now we can we did we, we order has been restored after if the Dolphins they, scored if, an if opening they, drive. If they had if they had won today, if they had won today, uh. This would have been a good week, like because uh, you're leading, you're leading up to the Bills game. It's a winnable game, chance to go seven and five. Uh, after that, you've got the you, Patriots you, at you've, home. You've, you've only, you're only They're, lost the tiebreaker to the Bengals, who lost and look appear to be bad now. Like right, like and, you're you're in a great position. And you and I could have put off talking about why James Johnson's playing more minutes than Justice Winslow <laughs> a little bit longer. Like, like I was not rooting against them today just to be right, okay? I, just the first drive. And I was wrong about that. So I, so I, I, we don't have any stake in them in them not, not fulfilling expectations or quite, whatever it is. Quite the contrary. Right. I'm saying that this thing looks like it's headed now for 7 and 9 probably, maybe 8 and 8. And then we're going to get the, well, they didn't have their quarterback for a period of time. You know, Wilson went out. By the way, Wilson was projected to be their fourth receiver. Grant went out, projected to be their fifth receiver. Kilgore went but you out. Just said, but you just said that we, we set I, the expectations. Oh, okay. We, so we, we'll we set the expectations. We, we throw the expectations out on, on Albert Wilson. All right. So they're, they're, they're seven and nine or eight and eight. Mm-hmm. And I think what you have after today is some evidence then maybe this coach, not just the quarterback, who was as good as he could be under the circumstances today, I thought, uh, maybe this coach is not ready for prime time, like not ready to win this kind of game on the road to help his team close it. And and that's 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 my takeaway from today. I'm not saying you have to fire him or anything like that, but what I am saying, and I've said this now for a few weeks, is I do think that they need new leadership in the organization, okay, in terms of a team president or something like that. And I'll say if that guy wants his own coach, then I'm fine with it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. It, now, if that guy says, let's give Adam Gase one more year and let him pick a quarterback, then you have to trust that person's judgment. I'm not big on these half blow-ups because the Dolphins have done this yeah. a million times. Because, because, on, because you, you limit the pool of candidates if you do a half blow-up. You right. limit because like if you know the, the Ravens guy has been holding out for a while and he's finally going to get you know, his opportunity. The Patriots guy held out for a while because you know, he might get his opportunity. So like, I, 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 I do think that you limit the pool of candidates by saying we want our own quarter. We like, we like, we like, I, I want to pick my own coach. And if you say no, we're committed to Adam Gase, then you limit the pool of how quality that can be. As they did, by the way, with Dennis Hickey. When uh, when they mm-hmm. when you know they, Dennis Hickey was their seventh choice, and the reason why is because you're you're sticking Joe Philbin onto somebody. Like in retrospect, that's idiotic. But right. I, I don't think Adam Gase is Joe Philbin as as has been outlined here on the program. But I, I I do think that you limit who you could potentially bring in if you believe that to be the case. Now, I think there's a chance that Mike Tannenbaum comes back because as Barry Jackson outlined in the Herald this week, uh, the Dolphins have a pretty easy route to like 105 million dollars in cap space. Like mm-hmm. just like a ridiculous amount because they basically have nobody on a long term contract except for their rookies and Rashad Jones I think is basically it like even Ryan Tannehill you can post June one him and like get some cap space for him so like I I don't think that the Dolphins will be wanting for cap space they might have an opportunity to rebuild it again next year and maybe they give Ryan Mike Tannenbaum that one last opportunity to go and do that why do you want why do you want to do that like I, no okay. I mean I, I'm not saying so, I want so, to but like so, I mean so if, thanks thanks for the cap space but Sashi Brown created a ton of cap space with draft picks and. Cleveland and they still decided that they didn't go in 16 John, though <laughs> no no that's true they, they still decided that John Dorsey would be better moving the thing sure. forward mm-hmm. what, what I mean to me you don't what you don't do okay and you're right Ross did this last time what you don't do is you don't tell a new GM or team president you have to keep the coach you tell that you tell the new team president here's you can our make whatever coach. decisions you can want Here's our coach. You want to re-interview him? Re-interview him. Okay. You want to you want to interview others? You do that. Why should why why is what is it about this organization? Okay, that like nobody faces any competition. Like that the quarterback. Well, we can't possibly get somebody who's going to push Ryan. Like I mean, we've been saying this. I mean, so let's just keep bringing back Matt Bore on two million dollars. Like what, what, like the, and and now you're going to do the same thing with a coach? Like no. Adam Gase at this point should, in my view, his like, status is not unimpeachable. It's not unimpeachable. Like you should bring in somebody else. Okay. As a team president and that team president should basically evaluate the work of Adam Gase, talk to all these people, re-interview Adam Gase. And if he deems it necessary, interview some others and decide who's the best for his organization. Then it's not halfway as much because then at least it's, okay, we looked at the guy, we evaluated it. We decided there were some circumstances beyond his control. I think that he would be the right guy going forward for us. And then you have a new team president and you have to trust that guy that somebody came in from the outside and looked at it and said, but Ross shouldn't put any pressure on that. Ross should say, you do what you need to do and decide whether Adam Gase is the right guy for you. Would And here's the question you have to ask. Would you hire Adam Gase again now? Okay. Like not, not just, well, he's here. Eh, we owe him some money. Let's keep him around. Would you hire him again now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Based off the body of work from the last three years, plus whatever he did previous, but mostly for the past three would years. You? Uh, would I? Yeah. Uh, no, no, okay. uh, no, but, but that does, but I'm not calling for a firing. I'm just saying, w- would I do that? No. Okay. But I think if you take a look at some of the other candidates, are you, so, maybe, so what, so what would you call for? Would you call for increased pressure? Would you call for, I, I would call more for scrutiny a, and more scrutiny more, of his work? More, more scrutiny and evaluation. So I would, I would call for 
exactly what I'm saying. That that you uh, to me the Tannenbaum era is is pretty much over. I think. Okay. I I think it's I think it's over. I think you know he, he they did some good things this offseason. The Albert Wilson signing uh, and not some resigning Landry. I think letting Sue go made sense, but that was Tannenbaum's mistake in the first place. Okay. So uh, th- there were I, I you know and I think the draft. I think Greer did some good things. Again, we can argue about the quarterback situation. I think organizationally they have not put enough of a premium on the quarterback. Okay, we can argue about whether they should have, you know, should have gone for Lamar Jackson or not gone for Lamar Jackson or moved up for Josh Rosen. Both of you believe, both you and I, I think believe they should have, even if Minka is a really good player, he's still a safety. Okay. And you had a safety. So I, I, I think it, to me, I would look at maybe keeping Greer because I think some of the individual work on the draft has been pretty decent, but I think the big picture philosophy for Tannenbaum got better this past off season in terms of not spending the big money on one guy, bringing in a couple of guys, but the roster is still not good enough and you can't make it. We can't keep having it both ways and saying Adam Gase doesn't have anything to work with. Um, but you know, Tannenbaum's fine too. Like it's one or the other or both. Like it's, it's not neither. Like that, I mean, it's, it's not working. So somebody has to, has to be accountable for that. So what I'm saying on Gase is I think someone new, not Mike Tannenbaum has to essentially make him accountable. And if that means re-interviewing him for the same position, you don't have to announce you're interviewing him, but obviously talk to him, get a sense of it, and decide whether or not he's the right guy. That's mm-hmm. where I would go with this. Hey, it's Josh Appel. And Mr. Bill 11. Now, we are from Smark Your Territory, the Five Reasons Sports Network's resident wrestling podcast coming at you live on tape every Wednesday from the Fortress of Smark. Join us on the fringes of the smattering for some not-so-serious pro wrestling talk. It's Smark Your Territory every Wednesday on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Now, I, I do kind of wonder, and I, and I agree, I, I generally think that your, your head's in the right place on this, although I, I think the, the way that you sort of communicate it makes it seem like you are calling for a firing, but I, I'm, I'm glad you're able to clear it up. But I, I do kind of wonder... I think there's been a pocket of hashtag Dolphins Twitter. I hate calling Twitter's Twitter. As a matter of fact, I'm taking that back. I'm not I'm not calling it Dolphins Twitter. I think calling Don't edit. I, I think I think calling yourself a Twitter is just the most obnoxious thing in the world. I think Dolphins fans on Twitter uh, have there's been a pocket that have been increasingly out, uh, and and I, I think I think what you've been saying I think is in keeping with what they've been saying. But I genuinely wonder how much in this next week that really gets ramped up and how the fact that Adam Gase didn't really take accountability for it after the game and that it was this kind of spectacular of an offensive calamity that can be directly associated with play calling that now that becomes more of a widespread opinion and that the people who are in your mentions that drive you crazy every day become fewer and fewer and have started to acknowledge Oh yeah, this isn't great. Like I, I genuinely wonder how that turns this week. I, I don't know how we gauge that. I don't know if I mean I, I feel like Twitter polls are a bad way to accurately gauge. Uh, callers in the sports radio are a bad way to accurately gauge. I think we'll just have to figure it out anecdotally, like how much this feels like it's changed by virtue of what happened today. Because I feel like today was sort of a point of no return for some people. Well, all right, I'm going to read you before we go here. All right, real quick, I'm going to read you some tweets. I just, just I, I just typed Adam Gase into into Twitter. Okay, so mm-hmm. here are our tweets. Okay, and and I'm they're from a cross section of people. So this is from Josh Houts, uh, who who does some work over. For us at Maven does a little bit at five reasons. Okay. But obviously follows the team very closely. You can use injuries as an excuse for the first 10 games, but what Adam Gase did with the season on the line is unacceptable. 
Here's this from Will Manso, who is, and I know it will, Will's a little easier on the heat, okay, that he is, he is on some other teams in this market, but he is a sports anchor at Channel 10, okay, and he does, he does I'd have say, a I'd say he's, he's a fair voice on all the teams. He's a fair voice he's a on fair, all the teams. He's, a, he's a fair voice on the teams except the heat. Like, except, I, think, except, I think he's got a bit of a rosier perspective on the heat, and he might even acknowledge that. I, I think he would acknowledge it, and he's a friend of the program, so we, we bust on him because we can, okay? But here's, this is from Will. Just a brutal loss. Dolphins ran the ball well all game. Gase called a good game and didn't put too much on Tannehill. Ryan was solid, got a big play from Carew, and then you absolutely give them the game in the final two drives. This was on Adam Gase. Okay, now this is from Cameron Wolf. New to the scene here, covers the team for ESPN. Okay. I don't, I haven't seen him as being a bomb thrower since he's come here. Okay. But he also doesn't have sort of the, what, what should we say? Some of the sort of allegiances, maybe that some mm-hmm. of the other, some of the others in the local media have developed over time to Gase. Okay. And, and all the rest of this. And plus, he, he let's be honest, he works on a more powerful platform, ESPN. He doesn't need the Dolphins as much as some of the locals do. Okay. Here's his tweet. That's the third draw call by Adam Gase on third and 10 today. That's not playing to win the game. If you trust your quarterback, you have to try to go get it. This is from Jonathan Zaslow. 790 the ticket was just on smart your territory this week. This is a football take, not a wrestling take. Instead of handling the ball off on third and 10 with your season on the line, why didn't Adam Gase just quit? Same thing. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're punting from basically the 10 yard line and giving them the ball midfield. That's basically is acknowledged. That's that's throwing in the towel. Like, you know, like, did anyone think that the Dolphins defense would, would get a stop there? Did anyone? No, 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 no. Everybody was retweeting my tweet that I've seen this game a million times. <laughs> um, Stephen Holder, okay, used to cover the Dolphins for, uh, excuse me, used to cover the Heat and some Dolphins for the Miami Herald. He's been up in Indianapolis now for a while. Stephen, also not a bomb thrower, okay? Tweet from four hours ago as we taped this, about 7 o'clock. I have no idea what Adam Gase is doing. This, now others from fans, mm-hmm. okay? Sad Dolphins fan. That's his. That's not the avatar. It's it's G five <laughs> underscore Jones twenty. Adam Gase lost this game with his awful play calling, and if you don't believe that, then I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. At Neil Driscoll, another of of these sort of Dolphin fans who's very active on Twitter. Okay, another name. If you follow the Dolphins, you know. Adam Gase proved today that he isn't a legit NFL coach. You'll be mad at me for saying it, but what Ian said below is exactly why. Good riddance. And what he's referring to is Ian Wharton, who we should have on the pod, by the way. Ian Wharton, who goes by at NFL Film Study. Colts trusted their quarterback. Miami didn't, can't have a staff afraid to go for the win when the opportunity and is that's, And that's, I think, a point that we should, we'll probably make on another podcast when we go a little bit big, bigger picture, is that... My God, if you're gonna if you're gonna defend Ryan Tannehill that much in the press, and you're gonna basically stake your coaching reputation on Ryan Tannehill, let him lose you the game. If you mm-hmm. if you're scared about field position because if you turn the ball over, then you've given the ball. Actually, that might have been a preferable outcome because at least the Colts would score quickly. At least if you turn the ball over, at least you, you kind of get it over with. But like, let the quarterback fail. Like, let allow him to throw the ball ten and a half yards downfield and see if maybe he can't make a play, and if you throw an incomplete pass, whatever. But, like, allow him to fail. Third and ten is a running down for this team now. It's infuriating. Greg Likens. Can, 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 I, Greg can, Likens. can I offer one, by the way, before? Yeah. You, know, yeah, yes. I, I, you, you read Greg's first. I, I'm a big uh, fan of Greg, so go on. Okay, Greg, also not a bomb thrower. Very, no. very balanced person. Okay, very good broadcaster. 
at Greg Likens. Adam Gase's conservative play calling on the final two Dolphins possessions are the epitome of a playing not to lose mentality. Highly disappointing, especially in a winnable game and with Tannehill back at quarterback. Now, mine is from uh, Kian Fahey, who we referenced mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, this is from his piece that, uh, that he wrote after the game. He was taking a particular interest in this game. Uh, he, said, he writes, quote, Dolphins fans have had depressing games over the past uh, two decades. This one was supposed to be a barometer game for the quarterback to see whether he was fully healthy and effective or whether his issues would linger for the remainder of the season. Instead, it turned into an indictment of the head coach. And th- that, that, I think, is, a, is sort of a continued barometer of what we're seeing, which is, a continued souring on Adam Gase and that, you know, that and, and Fahey is someone who's been viewed as too positive on Ryan Tannehill and that, you know, that that his charting and his um, and, and with a study that he does is overwhelmingly positive on Tannehill in a way that other metrics aren't and that Adam Gase is kind of viewed. And for me, the thing that I guess is most disappointing is that Adam Gase obviously comes in as the reputation. Peyton Manning threw 55 touchdowns with him as the offensive coordinator and that he coordinated the the, the, the Cutler offense. I thought that this offense, that, that, the off, that the offense of a quarterback whisperer genius was an aggressive one, one that takes mm-hmm. chances, one that's trying to create big plays. And what actually ended up happening is the exact opposite, which is that Adam Gase's philosophy is, I'm getting any quarterback in the world to a 91 quarterback rating. Any quarterback in the world, right? Like, you give me an NFL quarterback, that quarterback will have a 91 quarterback rating, but he never puts them in any position to make any dangerous throws or any big plays. And at a certain point, like, Andrew Luck took a few chances and threw a couple picks. Like, he, mm-hmm. he tried the deep shot to Ebron before halftime that Xavier Howard intercepted. Uh, like, they, they, tried, they, they tried the deep one to T.Y. Hilton, which also Xavier Howard intercepted. But, they, like, even Frank Reich, who runs a pretty conservative offense, they at least take the chances. They at least allow Andrew Luck to hang himself with some rope. Like, Adam Case doesn't even afford that to his quarterbacks. There's actually a stat that, that, I, that I had here. Um, so, there's a uh, stat that NFL Next Gen Stats keep track of, which is aggressiveness percentage, which is basically number of throws into tight windows. Uh, they, they identify it as uh, tracks the amount of passing attempts a quarterback makes that are into tight coverage where there is a defender within one yard or less of the receiver at the time of completion or incompletion. Uh, they show it as percentage of throws in that situation. Uh, leading the league is Josh Rosen, perhaps a bit too aggressive, uh, mm-hmm. given the number of interceptions that he's thrown. But bottom of the league, uh, so Josh Rosen's aggressive percentage is 21.5%. Bottom of the league is Brock Oscar Weiler at 8.4. Fifth from bottom is Ryan Tannehill at 13. So he just doesn't allow his quarterbacks to make dangerous plays, which results in a lack of turnovers, but it also mm-hmm. results in a lack of big plays, which is when you're trying to kill the game in the fourth quarter, when you're trying to come back from, from down uh, double digits in a game, it just doesn't allow you to do that. And I think that for me is the biggest disappointment is that generally you look at the offensive geniuses that are around the league right now, they're going and taking their teams and leading them to big plays and exciting offenses. And I'm just surprised that this particular kind of offensive genius, which I think exists elsewhere. Like I think like Jim Bob Cooter, the Lions offensive coordinator that has kind of sanitized uh, Matthew Stafford. Like it's you're, you're not trying to create something new. You're trying to sanitize a quarterback mm-hmm. to the degree in which they're not making any mistakes or causing you any problems. But there's just nothing there, and it demands perfection. It demands everything else be great, and the, Dol- the Dolphins just don't have that. So that's where I think they're left short, and that's where I'm disappointed with the coach. Like I'm, I've generally been the apologist on this podcast. My disappointment has been, well, hang on a second. I thought we were getting a guy that would go for it on fourth down and try and throw the ball downfield and create a big-time offense. 
that's not at all what Adam Gase has attempted to do. No, it's not. And I feel like we should end here because I feel like now we're in the pile on stage. Because once you <laughs> once you join in with me, it's, you don't you don't like the fact that you have allies now. You like being alone no, in the corner. No, I, I liked being on an island. Now everybody's stealing my takes. These these are three week old takes. Yeah. Like I, they're six week old takes. And now I've everybody down here in, in in local media is doing the same thing. All right, we'll get to a little bit more next week. I'm actually going to be at the game. Uh, with you next week, uh, the Bills game. So we, we'll do the podcast from there. We'll get into the Heat's problems a little bit later in the week. We're also setting up a podcast with Tim Hardaway. So we'll, we're just going to start doing nostalgia pods all the time. That's all. Just mm. nostalgia pods to when you know teams actually made the playoffs down here. My fun, the, to me, the, the, the hilarious thing is that we did a nostalgia pod with the teams that at the time were not experienced with nostalgia. Like, no. like we did the Jay Feed, the Randy McMichael pod, which now passes for nostalgia because it's gotten so much worse from there. But as it was happening, it, oh, was no. not, it did not feel like nostalgia. And that's how we end. Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank you so much. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc